Blog Talk Radio. Leaving behind, actually, 
And the new one that we are currently creating uh, collectively, and for many people this time may be very distressing and because the world situation and our personal lives may seem to be going through from bad to worse. She, however, indicates how our established religious institutions support the fear of the intuition, if not non-rational consciousness and self-thought, which was once based on a, a deep awareness of the universe, uh, the universal creative principle, and that every being in many religions only pay lip service to that idea in terms of who we are and how we arrive to being here on this earth. Instead, they seek to control the behavior of other uh, people as, as well as their devotees, uh, occasionally using throughout the, uh, the ages various elaborate rules, structures, purported to save people from their deep, irrational, and basically sinful natures. But uh, Shakti, however, she states that less techn technically developed societies, indeed those of us in the indigenous communities, approach life with a deep awareness of and respect for the intuitive element of existence. And every nuance of their daily lives is guided by a strong sense of connection with the creative force, which uh, leads me to, to mention the fact that a lot of us are realizing that uh, there are other aspects and other opportunities and, and uh, um, vehicles in which we can express our spiritual self and, and come to self-realization, as a matter of fact, thusly experiencing a transformation. So uh, this evening, I'd like to just delve into those areas, and not only would I be uh, covering uh, Shakti Gawain's uh, book, Living in the Light, but also reading excerpts from uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer and his book titled, uh, You'll See It When You Believe It. Again, that title of the book is You'll See It When You Believe It. And in that area, we will be talking about synchronicity from his book. So I felt that it would be very uh, appropriate to tie in the topic of uh, Shakti's uh, book uh, titled Intuition and to combine that with uh, Wayne Dyer's uh, subject matter of synchronicity. Many of us, of course, have heard the word. We know the, uh, the meaning, the basic meaning of intuition but Shakti goes on to explain to us that once we acknowledge the higher power of the universe, uh, the obvious question arises, how can we contact this power or gain access to it? And, of course, there's so many ways that have been purported in terms of how this can be done. After all, she states, is that if there is a superior wisdom or a deeper knowledge than we normally experience by tapping into it, we should be able to receive uh, valuable guidance in how to live well in this confusing world. And this realization began to dawn on her a few years ago, uh, actually many years ago, because this book was written more than 20 years ago or so. And she states how she undertook her journey through towards delight, as well as myself uh, experiencing that journey uh, as well, in terms of moving from darkness into the essence of light and awareness. Shakti explains that she's since discovered that the knowledge, the knowledge and the knowingness that resides in each of us can be assessed through what we usually call our intuition. By learning to contact, to listen to, 
and to act on our intuition, we can directly connect to the higher power of the universe and allow it to become our guiding force. Now, how many of us have had this gut feeling? Uh, and that that's something that I remember uh, looking at a YouTube video of Deepak Chopra. She was, he was being interviewed by Oprah. And he was talking about having gut feelings. In other words, he's saying in that area of the stomach, you can have this feeling uh, of, of a certain intuition, of a certain uh, voice, inner voice speaking to you. And it was very interesting for him to really continue to explain what he meant by that gut feeling. And he was stating that each part of the body, indeed every cell that makes up our body, and that's something like 6 trillion uh, to 100 trillion, depending on what school of thought you embrace, states that they all individually have their own consciousness, which is combined with the collective consciousness. So many of us have known that... Uh, that at various moments in our lives we've had problems or we've had situations. We might uh, meet someone. We might be in a certain uh, event, uh, whether it be personal or family-related um, or public-related on the job, where we have gut feelings. We have this, in, this intuitive uh, awareness that something may be wrong or something may be right about the event or the situation that you're in. And many of us tend to question that gut feeling. Sometimes we might ignore it or go against it, as it were, to our own detriment. And then, of course, there's some of us who pay attention to that gut feeling, and we find that we're for the better uh, as a result of taking heed to that intuitive voice, that intuitive inclination. So I would dare to say that many of us today collectively, especially those of us who live here in the Western Hemisphere, uh, specifically here in the United States, which is where I, my, I live with my wife, that um, we are having a collective gut-feeling challenge, as it were, uh, with the, this upcoming presidential election. People are having to be have to be introspective and take heed to the fact that, indeed, there are certain things that are being presented to us that we know from our gut that it may not, it's not truthful, uh, that there's what we call lies that are being perpetrated uh, within the campaigns and so forth. And then there are some of us who are following our gut feeling and saying, I'm not going to cast my vote or be supportive of that particular entity of that party or that group of people who support certain ideas that you do not support. Or someone who might say, or a group that may say, well, I do support your ideas, uh, and they're saying these things so that indeed they can um, have you come on board with them, but you know in your gut that they're not being sincere. So uh, there are millions of us who are simultaneously having this inner voice discussion uh, with ourselves and, of course, having the discussion with others about how we're feeling about uh, the political arena, as it were. And then there are many, many of us who are thinking about religious institutions, uh, educational institutions, economic uh, institutions, uh, business institutions, just all these entities which are forcing on us to take heed to our, uh, beyond our intellectual uh, uh, empirical knowledge and awareness, but to deal with the that invisible 
basically dealing with faith in terms of trusting your intuition. So uh, uh, aside from that, I know that many of us have to make these decisions when we meet someone for the first time. Some of us who are not married or who don't have a significant uh, relationship with a partner might be looking for someone to share our lives with. A lot of times we might vet them, as it were, you know, do our research, question them, so forth. But they will try to, you know, we all try to put our best foot forward. There's an old saying I learned so many years ago, and I always liked it when I first it first resonated with me, that you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, I want to take a moment to invite everyone uh, and recognize everyone who's on the, in the guest room. I want to thank you so much for visiting. And those of you who are calling in, uh, thank you for visiting. And if you would like to speak with me, please do not hesitate to press the number one button, and that will indicate to me that you'd like to uh, share your thoughts with us on air. And, of course, any questions and comments that you have on, in the chat room, please feel free to express them. And if you'd like that to be shared on air, I will do uh, the same as well. So, um, yes, that that is something that I was talking about relationships, right? Um, many of us have had that that experience, and beyond the the person who how they, you know, he or she presents himself to you, they might look very attractive, very appealing, saying various uh, words that they think that you want to hear, and making certain motions. Uh, in terms of how they would like to uh, engage with you and grow the relationship, sometimes you get this gut feeling that, no, this might not be the one. I need to take my time with this, or indeed I might have to just remove them from my life's journey. So uh, that's an interesting observation I think that we all have made, and of course it's always good to be able to transfer that particular type of sensitivity uh, in your everyday life. I see that we have someone on the line who would like to share some thoughts with us. Let me just uh, take a moment to acknowledge them and bring them on board. Hello, hello, nine one seven. Yes, hello. How are you? Hello. Hi, I'm can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you. Wonderful. And who's speaking, please? Yes, this is Rosie. Oh, hi, Rosie. How are you? I'm good. Um, I was uh, just calling because I have like a question about relationships. Um, you uh -huh. were talking about, uh, you know, when you um, meet someone and uh, then, you know, having like a first impression type of thing and, you know, you keep feeling out what it's about and what have you. But for mm -hmm. me, I'm going through a situation where I'm married to somebody and mm -hmm. first it started out just fine and then later on I started seeing some things that I would have never got with him if I would have known that. At first it was ah. fine, but then things started to change. Like I realized that it, he wasn't transparent with his previous life. That's something we argue about because I still haven't met his children, and we've been married mm. now for about a, a full year, and we were together for a year before that for for two years. I haven't mm -hmm. met his kids, and he says that it's not the right time, but I feel that that's really something wrong. Mm. Well, Rosie, I concur with you. Um, yeah. Your question is, what is your question? Um, I think my question is, how does one cope when a relationship changes um, a few years after it was absolutely perfect? Like, how, well, how does one 
go forward in situations where your heart and your soul and your mind and all the bells and whistles are, you know, telling you to be careful, but you have a lot of time and money invested and you just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, I, first I'd like to acknowledge my wife. She just walked into the studio in a very mm-hmm. timely fashion, they used to say. <laughs> and um, I, I would definitely like to just say one thing, that relationships, uh, especially with a significant other, uh, whether it be in, on a spiritual, your spiritual partner, or a, a husband or a wife, there's always a dynamic that we are not privy to uh, prior to the, the marriage, uh, because you, if you're in love, you tend to overlook all the uh, the frailties and the faults and imperfections of that person. As a matter of fact, in that love state, you, you tend to just uh, view that person as being the perfect match, the perfect one, you know, your soulmate. Some of us do not go for that, you know, that uh, we have other reasons other than being in love with marrying other person. Uh, mm-hmm. However, by and large, when we do get married and develop relationships, love is part of that particular emotion. Mm-hmm. And, of course, after you get married, sometimes... Uh, the honeymoon, and I guess that honeymoon might be uh, analogous to the state of love and 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 ecstasy and that high emotion, begins to wane. And now, uh, once the person is with you, he or she begins to show their true colors of who they really are. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily have to be negative or positive. It just can just be who they are. Of course, wow. sometimes we mm-hmm. raise the bar in terms of our expectations of the significant other. And then some of us attempt to change that person. We have an agenda, some of us, in terms of, well, that person is a certain way, and I know if I'm with them long enough that I'm going to be able to change them, you know, and they're not willing to accept the person for who and, and you know, who they are. Uh, in cases of trust, and that's something that I think that many of us who are healthy and, um, you know, have a certain degree of uh, high esteem, self-esteem, we look for someone that we can trust in our lives. You know, because without the trust, then indeed uh, it's very difficult to go through the journey together. And what you just indicated about your husband not willing to share uh, uh, his children with you, that raises a flag because now you're led to believe that perhaps he's hiding something, you know. Uh, of course, his children have a, have a mother, and um, there may be problems in terms of him wanting to keep you away from her if you haven't met her already. You know, we don't know what to do. What there needs to be is a, is a conversation, and perhaps that conversation can be best served by you having counseling. Uh, have you gone to counseling with your husband, or have you suggested that? No, I haven't. I I wasn't thinking um, that maybe we needed it, but it's getting more and more disturbing for me because I already mm-hmm. had trust issues when I uh, began the relationship with me, and we began as friends. If we would have began as boyfriend and girlfriend and our attraction, I would have never been with him because uh, we started a friendship and I, I, you know, I was easier with my guard. I let him into my life, and everything was fine. You know, I 
every time he was around me, I always felt better. You know, there uh-huh. was no time when we didn't speak where I felt like a better person. And then when we got together, it's almost like it's me and him, but it's no one else. I almost feel like, like in this void because I'm not involved with his family at all. I'm not involved, like, with any of of the major friends that he has in his religious circle. I'm not involved either. I almost felt like he's embarrassed of me or he doesn't want anyone to know about me. And it's we do have different religions. You know, we do mm. have incredibly different um, backgrounds racially, um, religious-wise, culturally, but my family has been very embracing of him, and I feel like a total outsider in his life. Mm-hmm. And at first it was fine because I think that my thing is that I always thought that love was unconditional. But mm-hmm. is it? I thought it mm-hmm. was, but the feeling and the pain that I have doesn't make me feel that that's really a valid statement. I don't know if it's totally unconditional because if I don't, feel that he involves me in his life when I don't feel that at least I know his children and I don't feel clear, then I don't know if maybe I'm wrong. Because, mm-hmm. again, I go back to this to the teaching I've always heard that love is unconditional, but I don't, I don't know what to even think at this point. I feel... Well, um... You know? I don't yeah, know. Hold on, like, I'm there. Yeah. Great. Well, let me just say, Rosie... I think that you are doing one of the first things that I think is needs to be done, and the first healthy thing, and that is to acknowledge your situation and not to ignore uh, what's happening. Indeed, you're going by your gut feeling. You're going by your intuition. You're dealing with common sense. And um, one of the things I mentioned earlier in terms of counseling, that's something that I think you should consider. And also... Just to backtrack a little bit in terms of traditions, he's coming from one traditional uh, way of living, and you're coming from another. And mm-hmm. in marriage, the, the one of the things that's so uh, uh, obvious with most communities that marriage—you're not just marrying a uh, an individual; you're marrying the family. Two families are actually coming together. That's the the intent. Uh, most indigenous communities, if not all indigenous communities, have that as a traditional understanding. And then those of us who in the modern society, so-called modern society, recognize that also. That's why you have the reception, you know, so that the families can come together and meet one another. And, and of course, the marriage ceremony first, and then, of course, the reception afterwards. And so there's a support mechanism that's established between the two families so that the two people who marry and have support in their marriage on many ways, from spiritual to emotional and, of course, physical, with babysitting for the children and a host of other things. So if you don't have that, indeed, you're, you're at a deficit in terms of the journey of your, of your uh, marital relationship. So I highly suggest that uh, you seek counseling. I, I suggest mm-hmm. that you uh, uh, bring that uh, point up to, with your husband that, mm-hmm. and that uh, you think that there's some things that you're concerned about and perhaps it would be advantageous if you and he was to seek counseling so that these things can be aired, so there can be an, an honest, truthful 
uh, conversation between the two of you with an intermediary who is impartial. So that's okay. one of the things that I can suggest to you. Wow. Um, and I must state also that my wife does counseling, and mm-hmm. uh, she has a website. You can feel free to go to her website and mm-hmm. uh, read the content. And, of course, she offers her services. Um, her name is Queen Mother Spirit Change, mm-hmm. and her website, do you have a pen, Addy? Yes. Uh, the website is spiritchange.com. Spiritchange.com. Yes. Okay. And um, I'm sure that she would be uh, uh, very happy to speak with you and mm-hmm. to share with you um, whatever uh, thoughts she may have with regards to your situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to thank you so much for calling. And I thank hope you I'll so be much. To... You're very welcome, and have a continued mm-hmm. blessed evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in this evening. And uh, it's been a pleasure uh, to have you uh, share with us your evening so that we can share with you uh, what we consider to be content that can be advantageous to all of us as it it pertains to intuition and synchronicity. Please stay with us. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a moment. so much again for tuning in. Uh, that was Rosie that we were just speaking with earlier, and uh, I hope that uh, what was shared, what she shared with us and what I shared with her uh, resonates with others who may have uh, the same experience or going, have gone through the same experience. And, of course, there's nothing like being able to communicate uh, with truth with one another as it pertains to relationships. It just uh, so happens that... Uh, Shanti has in her uh, book, Living in the Light, a segment that deals with commitment and intimacy. And um, she says that because we have been so focused on externals, most of us have attempted to make a commitment to an external relationship. And what we're really committed to is a certain set of rules. I agree to behave in such a way and such a matter so that we can feel secure about this relationship. And usually these rules are not spelled out clearly. They are basically assumed. And people say that they are in a committed relationship, but seldom clarify 
to themselves or each other what exactly they are committed to doing or not doing. Generally, one assumption is that they are agreeing not to have sex with anyone else. Even that is rather vague, though, because, as Shockley says, as no one defines what having sex is, often the implied agreement is not to feel sexual uh, interaction or attraction towards anyone else. And yet, how can you make an agreement not to feel something? Feelings aren't under our conscious control. And the real problem, she states, is that with commitment to an external form is that it doesn't allow room for the inevitable changes and growth of people and relationships. And if you promise to feel or behave by a certain set of rules, eventually you're going to have to choose between being true to yourself and being true to those rules. And she goes on to say that when you stop being honest and real, there's not much left of you to be in the relationship. And you end up with an empty shell and a nice commitment, but no real people in it. And because this type of commitment attempts to keep the form of the relationship from changing, often more than not, it simply doesn't last. And the fact is that relationships do change form and and no commitment can guarantee that they won't. Only no normal form can give us the security that we seek. So we could be married for 50 years, and the 51st year your spouse could decide to leave you. If we only realize that this can save us so much pain, people who divorce almost inevitably feel that they have failed because they assume all marriages should have lasted forever. In most cases, however, the marriage has actually been a total success. It helped each person to grow to the point where they no longer need its old form. And what causes the pain in many cases is that we don't know how to allow the form to change while still honoring the underlying love and connection. So when you are deeply involved with another being, that connection lasts forever. However, the intensity of the energy in the relationship increases or decreases in accordance with how much there is to be learned from it at any given time. So when when you've learned a great deal from being with someone, the energy between you may eventually diminish to the point where you no longer need to interact on your personality level as much, if not at all. But yet the connection between the two spirits remains strong. And sometimes the energy renews itself again later on on another level. We don't understand this, so we feel guilty, disappointed, and hurt when our relationships change form. We don't know how to share our feelings effectively with each other. Thus, we often respond to these feelings by cutting off our connection with the other person. And this causes us real pain because we are actually cutting off our own deep feelings. And Shakti says that she has found that changes in relationships can be relatively painless and even beautiful when we can accommodate honesty and trust ourselves in the process. And most people believe that sacrifice and compromise are necessary in order to preserve the relationship. The need to sacrifice and compromise is based on an understanding of the nature of the universe. We fear that there is not enough love for us and that the truth may be hurtful. And in fact, though, the universe is always loving and the truth, and when we can see it, is always positive. The only thing is, is that our limitations and fears make it appear negative. 
So Shakti says that when I'm willing to be honest and ask for what I want, to continue sharing my feelings openly, I always find that the underlying, uh, underlying truth in my situation is the same for all concerned. At first it may seem that I want one thing and the other person wants something else, but if we both keep telling the truth as we feel it, sooner or later it works out so that we both see that we can have what we really want. So that seems to be a, a problem with a lot of people in terms of being truthful with one another. Um, I know that earlier this today we were looking at a program, my wife and I, on television, and it was a sitcom, and it was the thing where there was a problem, there was a dilemma with these actors uh, that, that were playing a part, and one of the actors uh, was in a position where he was acting erratically and was going through some emotional turmoil, and uh, the the plot was that indeed they thought that he was attempting to hurt himself. And they decided not to just approach him with truth, but to devise a scheme so that they could uh, intervene on his behalf from him hurting himself. And my wife and I both looked at each other and said, see, there we go again. Uh, it was, you know, It was a comedy show, but it just illustrated how this happens in reality, in real life. People approach situations that are very serious, without approaching it on a level of truth. So what it does is just exacerbates the situation, makes it worse. And um, how many of us can remember our parents telling us to always tell the truth with regard to any interaction that we may have, any event that happens that impacts the family, especially between ourselves and our parents? Because they know that as we tell them the truth, they're in, in a position because of their life experience and their superior knowledge, to be able to give us advice if there's a problem that can be to our benefit and not to our disadvantage, to our detriment, as it were. However, if we tell the lie, then they're going to be giving us advice that may make matters worse. And, of course, we find that out eventually that, yes, you know, I should have told my parents the truth and I wouldn't be in this mess. I wouldn't have time out. I would be confined to my room. And, of course, as we become, we become adults, we find out that, indeed, I should have told the truth because now I would have been able to maintain my relationship. I wouldn't be without a job. I wouldn't have been kicked out of school. I, I, I would not be in a state of not having abundance in my lives. And, indeed, some of us would say I would not be in prison. So uh, there's a lot to say about, uh, about being truthful, especially with oneself. And then, of course, uh, with our significant other uh, people in our lives, whether it be our partners, our children, parents, family members, friends, and associates. Uh, so, again, uh, so much for the essence of the importance of truth. And as we started the show, we were discussing the uh, phenomenon of intuition. Uh, we're going to take another short break, and we will return to uh, continue that subject matter of intuition and hopefully uh, also touch upon Wayne Dyer's book, You'll See It When You Believe It, where he really has some very interesting things to talk about in terms of synchronicity, that there are no accidents.
I decided as we were on our break that uh, I would lead in with the uh, area of uh, Wayne Dye's book, You See It When You Believe It, dealing with synchronicity. And that coincides a lot with intuition. And he has some exciting things to share with us about the the uh, phenomenon of synchronicity. He states that the universe is complete and perfect. There can be no mistakes. Nothing is random. The entire one song is exquisitely synchronized. And what does he mean by one song? You, you know, what he's talking about is the fact that when you take in the universe, when you take in all the galaxies, and I understand that there's something like 100 billion galaxies, and of course each of those galaxies has universes uh, within them. That's really an awesome uh, uh, thought, as it were, in terms of space, in terms of uh, matter. And he states that this dealing with the universe that this solar system happens to be in, that it's, it is complete and perfect. And to understand synchronicity and to implement it, we are required to suspend some of our old ideas and to give up our notion of coincidence, of mistakes, that our belief that people are imperfect. The principle that every single event and every single person is connected seems almost too much to accept. And most of us would rather hang on to the principle of randomness and error. We seldom consider that everything within our perfectly operating universe may also be operating perfectly and appears easier to believe that unexplainable coincidences occur for no reason. So the term synchronicity, which was first used by Carl Jung, and he spent his life attempting to unravel the mysterious threads that seem to wind together in a pattern that is impossible for us to inform, and, and, and also to decipher. He described synchronicity as the simultaneous occurrence of two meaningful but not casually connected events. And he hypothesized that a collaboration exists between people and events that seem somehow to involve fate and is always operating within the universe. So the basics of belief in synchronicity are that every single life has a purpose and a deeper meaning than we generally are aware of. And behind all form is an intelligence that is exquisitely perfect and that works within a synchronized fashion. And everything happens for a purpose and the puzzle pieces of life fit together perfectly once we uh, ascertain those pieces. And when you trust and know that these thoughts, you will daily recognize evidence for your belief in synchronicity. And Jung states that he's convinced that, that this phenomenon is omnipresent in his life and that there are no accidents of any kind. So, yes, indeed, uh, we can always, I think, relate to our journey in life that People, places, and things have um, impressed ourselves to the point and impressed impress each other of knowing that, indeed, a lot of these things we had to go through in order for us to, number one, grow and to increase our awareness and to find our purpose, to ascertain what is our purpose in life. And um, depending on your religious orientation, your spiritual uh, uh, awareness and sensitivity, we can be assured that those people who come into our lives are there for a reason. Even if it uh, appears to be negative, there is something positive that can be derived from that because you're learning. You're constantly learning from any experience that you have 
as we interact with another human being. And, of course, uh, problems uh, are an opportunity for growth. And there's many philosophical um, uh, sayings that allude to that fact. Some people who shy away from problems don't realize that that's what life's purpose is, is for us to uh, be able to, uh, if not embrace the problem, to accept the problem and to do the best as we can to uh, solve the problem and to conquer it so that we can grow. So synchronicity is a phenomenon that allows those of us to, who understand that uh, phenomenon to welcome those so-called coincidences that come into our lives and to expect them to happen. Uh, a lot of this can be uh, acknowledged through various vehicles such as uh, using astrology, tower readings, div divining. You know, there's a host of ways in which uh, one can spiritually uh, interpret what happens on a synchronistic basis and why they're happening. And then if those of us who can can use intuition, have that gut feeling in terms of this meditating, being in a state of prayer, and, and waiting for how the Most High can communicate to us as to why this event, why this person is in our lives, and so forth. And I also recommend, you know, all of us dream. There's quite a few people, uh, quite a few of us who do not recall our dreams when we wake up from them. But I'm always uh, fascinated with the fact that uh, we might go to bed, go to sleep. Before we go to sleep, we have a problem. And then you go through the experience in your dream state where you're able to solve that problem. You wake up with a solution. And so it's always uh, something that I need to do even more of is to write, have a journal and write your dreams because they are able to allow you to go into another realm of reality, as it were, in the dream state and to uh, solve problems uh, and have more clarity, as it were. So let me just go on to share with you... Uh, what uh, uh, Dr. Dyer states with regarding to uh, synchronicity. He says that for some years he has lectured audiences and he's had questions of how many of you, he's posed actually a question, how many of you have had experiences of thinking about someone and then receiving a letter or a phone call from that person the same day he or she appeared on your thoughts? And have any of you uh, run into someone that you had no thought of in years, but just after his or her name happened to come up in the conversation, uh, that person appeared. And every hand he stated in this audience that he was talking to uh, went up because synchronicity or the connection between seemingly random events and thoughts seems to be a universal human experience. And it happens to all of us quite regularly. And it tends to repeat itself in a series of appealing, inexhaustible happenings. And the fact is that the more we loosen up and allow ourselves to flow in the energy systems of the universe, the more we experience this phenomenon. And ultimately, we cease being surprised by these happenstances and recognize them as part of the mysterious perfection in our existence. And I've been reading lately that uh, there is this new resurgence of uh, spiritual awareness and sensitivity uh, and as I'm sure many of you have heard about the year 2012, this year that we're living in right now, uh, was the beginning of this particular new age of synchronicities, of certain spiritual phenomenon and so forth. And we're having this uh, experience individually as well as experiencing it collectively. So uh, there's something to say about this. 
especially uh, as I'm speaking with you via uh, the phone, uh, connected with a personal computer on the Internet, and speaking to this particular venue called Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we're able to share with each other, unlike ever before, worldwide, at the touch of a button, you know, of a keypad, our experiences as we are experiencing them almost instantaneously. Uh, so there's something to say about uh, the advent of technology and how it has allowed us to connect with one another unlike any other generation before us. And, of course, I'm pretty excited as we go on um, and understanding that each uh, generation has more technology to offer. But the indigenous people, I think, can teach us a lesson that there's nothing that can replace the personal experience of having intuition, having to rely on spirit to connect with you, the universe, the most high, whatever we call God, whatever we call that most high uh, entity, that that's the ultimate connection. And, of course, we can experience that without the technology. There's a spiritual technology that prevails more beyond any physical man-made operators. So I'm just uh, uh, excited about being able to share these thoughts with you. And I want to just take a moment to... Uh, those of you who do not know this, I've always mentioned that the reason I choose certain books like this is because there are many of us throughout the world who cannot afford to purchase books, who don't have access to libraries, uh, who may have one computer within the family or within the village, for that matter. And uh, by us sharing these uh, various books, which may be esoteric to some, to many, for that matter, uh, I'm able to share this knowledge and uh, hopefully make their lives so much for the better. Then, of course, there are those people who cannot read, those people who are blind, those people who are confined to their beds in a hospital or in their home, who are not uh, ambulatory. So this uh, show serves a purpose in that, in that respect, and I'm so uh, honored and humbled to be able to be used as a facilitator for that need. So I just wanted to uh, share that with you, and I see that we have some more people on the line. If you'd like to share your thoughts, please press the number one button. It will be a pleasure to engage in conversation. Okay, so um, that's a very interesting piece. And I must say that uh, Dr. Dyer, Wayne Dyer, uh, he's an author. Of, the first book that I read by him was titled Your Erroneous Zones, and it was the number one best uh a seller, bestseller for a number of years, and then following that book was Pulling Your Own Strings, and that did very well. Uh, and those books I will review sometime in the future, in the near future. And it's something to say about uh, the aspect of being able to be in control of your life, especially when you're involved with someone else. Thus, he talks about your erroneous zones and pulling your own strings. Uh, the content of his books. Uh, was actually involved, evolved rather, when he was away uh, on vacation and he was standing by an ocean thinking about what to write and felt a strong urge to get up and and and, and just really jot his thoughts down. And um, he states that indeed the books t took him a very short time to, to uh, complete and needless to say he was able to tune in to the needs of the population 
of the world in terms of those of us who are dealing with how to take control of our lives. And, of course, these are not the only books that uh, allude to that in terms of being able to uh, pull your own strings, as he states in the title of the book. But it, it, it assisted me in my growth. I was just uh, coming out of my teenage years at the time and uh, beginning to embrace another modality of, of thought and how to direct my journey in terms of my life. So I recommend these books. And by the way, I have a bookstore on my website at drumsofchange.com. Again, that's drumsofchange.com. Any of these books that I've mentioned, you can purchase through my website and my bookstore. Okay, so um, where was I? Oh, yes, dealing with synchronicity. And I think I shared enough at this point about that. I, I wanted this uh, to do with one of the things that's interesting, I think, that you might share that interest with me. He's, he has a section dealing with invisible connections, human form to human form. And he was saying that the next time, this is an example, someone is talking to you across the room and you're listening, stop and ask yourself, how is this happening? That person is 10 feet away, moving his mouth. There's nothing but air between us. And yet, I instantaneously hear and process everything that he is saying. How can this be? And he says that when you stop to consider this everyday ordinary occurrence, it becomes mind-bending because invisible things called sound waves travel between a mouth and an ear. And you're able to process it all with your brain. And where are the connectors? And he says, using the analogy, he sees his mouth moving and he is sending them out of his mouth, and I do not try to make my ears pick up these invisible signals, yet they appear to do just that. And we unquestionably believe in a whole classification of connections between people that our rational mind would simply cannot fathom. We know that these invisible waves connect us from one person to another, even from an object such as a radio or a door slamming, and I may add uh, a cell phone, that we're calling from as we're uh, walking down the street, calling someone on the other side of the planet. We do not bother to make an attempt to figure all this out, but we simply accept the principle called sound as something that exists, something that is part and parcel of our humanity. But we never say it simply cannot be. And if we cannot see it and touch it, then it must not exist. But our belief in this principle allows us to function as human beings, and these are invisible connectors between people, and you participate in them every day. So there's many of us that state that, in, that we have to have some type of empirical evidence about reality, that the five senses have to be in place. But, of course, as uh, Wayne Dyer was, was, was uh, stating in, in this, uh, the invisible connections, that there is something about connecting that doesn't have to deal with the, the uh, being able to prove it from seeing and touching it. I, myself, I'm an African drummer, and I'm very much aware that when I play the drums, it affects me on a, on a plane that I cannot explain, but it just heightens my spirit. It elevates my spirit. And those who listen to make myself play or any other drummer, uh, I'm always alluding to the fact that, indeed, the first drum that we hear, the first beat that we hear, is the beat of our mother's heart as we 
reside in her before she gives birth to us. And that's why, one of the reasons why the drum has such a significant effect on us when we hear it, because we recognize it as a universal life force. So uh, I hope that that ties into what, uh, what Dwayne Dye is talking about in terms of visible connections and, and, and the essence of waves, sound waves. Uh, that is something that is very, very, very real. We know that there are various animals amongst us whose sense of hearing is far superior uh, than ours. Is um, uh, Bats, dogs, um, elephants, whales, they can communicate for hundreds of miles from each other because they have a facility to hear, in the case of elephants and whales, eight decibels far below the, uh, the capabilities of our ear, uh, our ears as human beings. And, of course, there are dogs that can hear far, far more higher in terms of the level of our hearing, in terms of decibels, and bats, and porpoises, and dolphins, and so forth. So we have to just keep conscious of the fact that, indeed, um, our senses that we use, the sensitivities that we are aware of, uh, can be superior on one level but inferior on another level. But it's all perfect. You know, there are no mistakes where everything is in divine order. So uh, we, we're down to the end of the show, and again, I want to just thank you all for tuning in this evening. It's been a pleasure. And I hope that what I've shared with you has been uh, of some significance and some has made some impact in terms of you uh, having a, a, a an increased awareness of the phenomenon of life on the spiritual, mental, and physical level. So, Next week we're going to conclude, I believe. Uh, yes, we will be concluding Shakti Gowan's book of Living in the Light, and also then from there continuing with uh, Dr. Wayne Dye's uh, book titled You See It When You Believe It. Again, I want to thank you all for tuning in, and I uh, would like to give anyone an opportunity in the guest room if you'd like to share some thoughts with us, please feel free, and also calling in. If you'd like to share any thoughts with us before we end the show, please press the number one button. I'll be back with you in a moment.
That's 445 Marcus Garvis uh, Boulevard. That's a few blocks away from Fulton Street, and their phone number is 347-915-1949, and they're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. in the evening. They offer gluten-free frozen yogurt, as well as non-dairy flavors available for vegans. So for more information, please feel free to visit Brooklyn Swirl at www.brooklynswirl, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-Y-N-S-W-I-R-L.com, and you can also become a Twitter and Facebook friends with them by logging on to brooklynswirl.com. All right, it's been a pleasure with you. I look forward to uh, you uh, tuning in again next week. And as I begin, I close with acknowledging the Most High. Um, We give thanks, and we give thanks to the Most High for this evening. We thank you this evening, and may our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness, and may we not be tempted to stray from love. As we begin this week, we open to receive you. Please enter where you already abide. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind, Behind the masks, Nine. illusions of this worldly plane. And dear Lord, we surrender to you our doings this evening. We ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world. May we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would like us to be. Direct our footsteps and show us what you would like us to have and do. And make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures, heal us all, and use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. We thank you again, and we are grateful. Namaste, shalom, assalamu alaikum, one love, peace, blessings, and abundance to you. God bless.